You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian writers who are ready to conquer what's holding them back. I'm Nika Maples, and this is episode 80, The Captain and the Kid. review that was left for me on my podcast. It's from Supermom74. What an encourager. I had the pleasure of attending Nika's first Keep Going workshop. After I was invited to that workshop, I began listening to Nika's podcasts. I have learned so much about myself, about my writing practices, and about my thought life through these podcasts. Nika brings life and encouragement to each one, and I walk away from them with a confident new perspective. I encourage you to listen. Thank you so much, Supermom74. And I just want to pray over you and bless you and your writing career right now because you have blessed me with this little review that I know will draw people in and help them find this podcast. So Heavenly Father, I ask that you pour out a blessing on this person. Wherever they are, I pray God that you ignite their heart for service in your kingdom. You've already put something on their heart that is drawing them to the idea of writing and I I pray for courage I pray for great courage to flood them today. All right, well, thank you. And I wanna encourage any of you who are, just take a second, will you, and go to that spot underneath my podcast where it says leave a review, you can leave stars, or it's actually even more helpful if you just write a quick blurb. It doesn't have to be that long, but it would help me so much. Okay. This episode, The Captain and the Kid, I'm very vulnerable about a situation in my life several years ago, and I believe it will help shed light on things in your life as well, because we're kind of all unique and all the same (laughs) in the way that God made us. He made our brains pretty amazing. And What I've learned about managing my thoughts, taking every thought captive for Christ has has made a big difference in my life. I pray that this blesses you. Everyone thinks that if they could just have a surprise windfall of money, then everything in their lives would be fixed. That may or may not be true. Allow me to share my own story about a windfall of money and then decide for yourself. In my early adulthood, I had gotten into some debt, typical debt of going to college, getting a car and having a credit card. But after I decided this is getting me nowhere, I started aggressively paying down my debt. And I got from tens of thousands of dollars down to only two. I had paid off my student loan. I had paid off my car. I had paid off all of the major issues. I even had a business loan that I had taken out when I tried to start a business that had failed, but I still had to pay the bank back 
$10,000. And I was down to the last two. It should have been really easy to pay off from there. I enjoyed the feeling of not having to pay on my student loan. I totally enjoyed driving around in a car that was paid for. So then in 2007, when I won Texas Teacher of the Year, what should happen but a windfall of money? All of a sudden, I had a check just handed to me, $5,000. It was enough to pay off my last $2,000 of debt plus some. But do you know what I did with that $5,000? The first thing that I did was something that I hadn't done in a very long time. I went to the mall. (laughs) I brought my sister-in-law with me and we had a shopping spree with my newfound bounty of cash. In one day, I spent $2,000, exactly the amount that I owed. But instead of using it in the best possible way, I used it to buy clothes, comfortable shoes to speak in, and even makeup. And when I say makeup, I mean a lot of makeup. Usually I wear grocery store brands. This time I wanted department store brands. It seemed like the only thing that was fitting for a state teacher of the year. But I didn't just get one or two things. I got the whole kitten caboodle at the clinic counter, everything that I could afford. And then I thought to myself, I'm still doing okay. I have $3,000. I'm going to pay down that last $2,000 of debt. I told myself as we drove away from the mall with a trunk full of goodies. But instead of paying down the debt, I thought, I wonder if maybe this money would be useful later. I don't know what's going to come with being a state teacher of the year. Well, what came was comparison because I started going to uh, conventions or gatherings with other state teachers of the year. And I heard them talking about what their school districts or their state regions or even their states did to reward them for being a state teacher of the year. As it turned out, Texas giving $5,000 to the state teacher of the year is just the minimum of what other teachers received. A lot of them received more money and a lot of them received cars. Some districts even gave their district teachers of the year new cars. I don't know why, but that irritated me. I thought, where's my new car? If I'm going to be driving over a long distance from border to border of the state of Texas, I I need to be getting a new car so that I don't put so much mileage on my old Honda. Well, I started asking a few people in my district and in my region, is there any way you guys can give me a car? I mean, I've got this new role. No, a car wasn't in the works for a Texas Teacher of the Year. And yet I kept hearing these conversations with other state teachers of the year. And comparison was a monster that was chasing me. I started feeling jealous. I thought, 
Texas is the best state in the United States, in my opinion, and yet there's no big reward to take care of the teacher of the year. And then I decided, hmm, maybe, maybe I need to get a car for myself. No, 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 no. I need to use this money to pay down my debt. I dismissed the thought completely. But I want you to know something. The process had already started. I was already thinking two key phrases that are almost like natural gas filling our room. The first phrase is, I need this. The second phrase is, I deserve this. Be careful whenever you hear yourself thinking thoughts like, I need this or I deserve this. That is flammable. And just the right flame can ignite the whole thing. For me, that flame was shame. Because something did happen that was a little bit embarrassing. Right about the time when I was really, really wanting a car to be able to take me to all my new speaking engagements around the state, a local Hummer dealership gave me an award. They said, we are announcing that you are the Hummer hero for the year. And they presented me with a beautiful award at a Dallas Stars hockey game. And they said, along with this award, we're allowing you to drive a Hummer. I thought my problems had been solved. It didn't matter to me that a Hummer wasn't the kind of car that I would want to drive anyway, or that it would be guzzling gas as I drove. I just thought, at least I have what I think I need and at least I have what I think I deserve as a state teacher of the year. They took a picture with a group of students from my school when they delivered the Hummer to me. They came onto campus and parked on the sidewalk and I jingled the keys while the students stood around me. They announced it on the PA system in school and Every student in every classroom cheered because Miss Maples was getting a Hummer as State Teacher of the Year. They all thought it was cooler than the fact that I had even been named State Teacher of the Year. And they congratulated me in the hallway. But when I climbed up into the Hummer to drive it off the sidewalk, I noticed one thing. There were cracker crumbs in the seats. And I thought, this is interesting. Why would there be cracker crumbs in the seats? Right then, the dealer, the car dealer, came over to me and he said, by the way, you'll need to return this car to us in one week. And I said, wait a minute, one week? What do you mean one week? I thought you were giving me this car for a year. And he said, no, it's only for one week. So you can experience driving a Hummer to see if you want to drive one for yourself. And I was humiliated. I drove the car off the, the parking lot. I drove it around that night and then the next morning I drove it back to the dealership and I said, I won't even wait one week. You can have your car back. I walked back into the school the next day and all the kids were asking me, where's the Hummer? Where's the Hummer? And just like I said, shame ignited the flame.
Already, I had everything I needed to cause an explosion. I was constantly thinking, I need this and I deserve this. So when I got a car publicly and then it was quote unquote taken away, I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I felt ashamed for no reason. I just wanted that car. Well, I ended up driving past a dealership on my way home from school that day, and I noticed a Volkswagen Jetta, a new, beautiful Volkswagen Jetta, and I thought to myself, that's what I need. That, that will solve it for me. I'm just going to buy my own car. So I drove in. I put the last $3,000 on a down payment and drove that Jetta off the parking lot. I answered my own feeling of need and my own feeling of deservedness with an expenditure. So I no longer owed just $2,000. Now I owed the $20,000 for my new car. And once you're in, you might as well go all in. So I decided I need a new computer if I'm going to be traveling and doing a lot of my work online. So I got a credit card and put a new computer on the credit card. And then I thought, all of these people I'm meeting, these other state teachers of the year, they have master's degrees and I only have a bachelor's. So then I applied to a university and got accepted in their master's degree program. Boom, 68,000 more dollars. And I suddenly decided if I had a car, a master's degree, I needed a house. I moved from my apartment and bought a house. All of this happened in a matter of months. Suddenly I went from just $2,000 left on my debt to over $200,000. And all of it started with simple thoughts. I need this. I deserve this. And then shame ignited the flame. And I did something I regretted and the fire just grew. So have you ever done this? Have you ever caught yourself thinking that you need or deserve something and then suddenly it became out of your control? Here's what I know. If you try to answer your own need or deservedness, um, you'll never be full. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, the eye never has enough of seeing and the ear never has its fill of hearing. What has been done will be done again, and there's nothing new under the sun. So I'm pretty sure that we've all been there, thinking that if we could just have one more thing, it would be enough. We've got to believe the Bible when it says, it won't be, it won't be. There will always be something more that we want. Now, in a finance lesson like this, I could give you a whole list of things that you should do, but I honestly think not any of them will help unless you have a mindset shift, unless you get far away from the phrases, I need this and I deserve this, far enough away to recognize them when they come back knocking on your door. Because those are the two phrases that I think get us into the most trouble financially. And not just financially, but in other ways as well. How many times have I been in a relationship when I thought, I really need them to do this. 
I deserve for them to do this. How many times with my health do I think, I really need a Coke right now, or I need a, uh, a peppermint mocha in the middle of the day, or um, I deserve an extra scoop of ice cream, or I deserve to stay in bed a little bit longer. Um, how many times with my home do I think I need this to be happy here, or I deserve this? The list could go on and on and on. So I think that the mindset shift is what we need to get healthy in all areas, but it's easily reflected in our finances. To make a real and lasting mindset shift, you have to understand the difference between the captain and the kid. Your brain is a wonder. God made it beautifully. And to oversimplify it really doesn't do it justice, but I, I can give you an understanding of two basic components of your brain that will help you understand why you make some of the decisions that you make. Your limbic system is the center, lower center of your brain that was developed in infancy. This is the part of your brain that is wired for survival, fully developed before you even take a breath. This part of your brain only knows how to cry out for what is needed. The prefrontal cortex of your brain is different. That part of your brain is not fully developed until your mid or late 20s. If you've ever talked to a teenager and thought, what are you thinking? Well, they may be thinking from their limbic system, not from their underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex offers high-level analysis and planning for the future. The limbic system doesn't even register the future. It's all about immediacy. It's all about survival right now. So where do you think the phrases, I need this or I deserve this come from? I feel pretty sure that it comes directly from the limbic system. I call it the kid, not only because that part of your brain is developed when you're a child and, and it's functioning in most children, but um, because that thought is a juvenile thought. It has no plan for the future. It has no understanding of results or consequences. But the prefrontal cortex may think, hey, you may want that. You may think that you need it, but eventually if you keep eating that second scoop of ice cream, that's not going to be something that you need because there will be consequences or results in your life. If you continue to drink peppermint mochas in the middle of the day, um, for no reason, just because you think you need it, um, you're going to be able to see your bank account dip lower and lower and lower because of how much money you're spending on things that you could get at home instead of when you're out and about. The prefrontal cortex takes the future into account when making decisions in the present. And the limbic system doesn't really care about the future. If I had allowed my prefrontal cortex to manage that windfall of money, I would have sat down and planned for how every cent of the $5,000 would be spent. Even if I had a little fun money category that I didn't want to 
allocate. I would have paid off the debt and decided I'm just fine with the car that I'm driving. But because I allowed my limbic system to get out of control, I started wanting at such a, a passionate rate that I couldn't even slow myself down and see the consequences of being $200,000 in debt in a future scenario. So what do you do when you have both parts of your brain talking? Well, the, the issue is that the kid is always going to be louder, but the captain always knows what's best. I think of it as being on an airplane. You know how the captain always says, this is your captain speaking, and this is where we're going. And with a calm tone of voice, he says, this is what you can expect. This is what is happening right now. I'll get back on in a little bit and tell you how things are going. That's like your prefrontal cortex. But if you've flown off and then you know that sometimes there's a kid behind you who gets a lot louder than the pilot. The pilot speaks in a monotone, low voice, but that kid will scream. They kick the back of the, the seat. They flip the tray up and down. They'll take off their shoes and um, whine for things and cry and get up and need to go to the bathroom and again and again. That part of your brain is very noisy, so it's hard to ignore. You can ignore the captain speaking easier than you can ignore the kid behind you on the plane. But when you're trying to get to a specific destination, you gotta listen to the captain because the kid doesn't know where he's going. Think of it that way. The next time you feel that pull and tug, that it's just the kid part of your brain, not the captain who has a flight plan and knows what needs to happen in order for you to get where you want to go. There are four clear steps for paying more attention to the captain than the kid. Step one, create a flight plan. 24 hours in advance, write down with a paper and pen exactly what you plan to do in a specific decision. Now, when you plan 24 hours in advance, it puts the whole immediacy thing right in front of your eyes. Most of the time we make a plan for an entire year and then, you know, three or four months later, we don't even remember the plan. But if you plan 24 hours in advance, then you, the plan will be fresh on your mind when you live it out the next day. For instance, if you say, tomorrow I'm gonna eat this, this, and this. I'm not putting on the list that I'm driving by Sonic to get a sundae with hot fudge if I don't want to put that on the list. Now there may be days when I say, hey, I'm gonna stop by and get some ice cream today. And you plan for it. You can have anything you want if you plan for it because you'll know that there's a consequence involved. Then the next day, you totally enjoy that Sunday. Instead of thinking, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have gotten another coffee, I shouldn't have done this or that. You'll enjoy the thing that you plan for. And with finances, it's the same thing. Tomorrow, this is what I'm spending. I'm paying these bills, I'm doing this, this, and this. And you plan your finances, even 24 hours in advance. If you don't do that, then you'll have wild and crazy expenditures that are completely off the grid. They're just the kid saying, do this, do this, you need this, you deserve this. 
So the next day, with whatever area you're trying to exercise control, you follow the flight plan. Now you can't have a flight plan for every single thing in your life. That's why I suggest that you concentrate on one thing. If you're really trying to get your finances under control, then write a financial flight plan 24 hours in advance every day. Just really quick, it takes one minute. Or if you're really trying to get your eating under control, write down that eating flight plan. Whatever it is, get it under control by using what God has given you, your prefrontal cortex, to create the flight plan that's going to take you to the destination that you want. And then the thing is, when you're living it out the next day and going by the flight plan, you have everything you need, except there will be turbulence. And step three is the key thing to learn, which is to allow turbulence. That's your uncontrollable urges. <laughs> those are those feelings of, I need this and I deserve this. I have to have this now. Whether we're talking about our health, our finances, or any area, we're going to have urges. And what most of us do is either give in to them or resist them by trying to distract ourselves to do other things or successful people who are flying by a flight plan just fly right through them. Have you noticed that on a plane, when you're gripping the seats, when you're feeling afraid, the captain just comes over the PA and he still has that calm voice and he says, don't worry, this is some turbulence, just flying right through it, no problem. But when we experience uncontrolled urges, we get so scared, we veer off the flight plan. We say, oh, I'm going to go distract myself by taking a walk, or I'm going to go call a friend and try to distract myself. Instead of just saying, nothing's wrong here. I'm a human being with urges, desires, needs, and they won't kill me. I'm just going to keep on going with my day. I don't have to hurry and distract myself. The, the captain can fly right through it. And you hear your own calm voice saying, nothing's wrong here. We're going to be fine. Just give it a few minutes. Because the thing is, the turbulence usually just goes away and you can land the plane. And in our lives, those desires are temporary too. They come in a powerful way, but if you wait, they'll just pass on through. The thing is, hunger itself or desire will not kill you. I learned this in the intensive care unit when I had a brainstem stroke and I went 10 days without eating. My stomach was growling. I was so hungry. I, I felt famished, but I wasn't because I was being fed through a feeding tube in my nose and I was well nourished. My body was giving me a sensation of being, you know, ravaged by hunger. But that wasn't true. My body was actually doing just fine. And I was so thirsty because I hadn't had a drink in 10 days. I thought, I'm going to die of dehydration. But that wasn't true either because I was very hydrated through an intravenous drip in my hand. I've never been more hydrated than I was during those 10 days. But my body didn't recognize it and gave me this overwhelming urge that I had to sail through. There was no way to distract myself 
from the feelings of hunger and the feelings of thirst. They I just had to survive it. There were other uncontrollable urges too. There was an itch on my nose that lasted for two weeks and I couldn't scratch it because it was paralyzed. But guess what? You'll survive if something itches. You will. And that goes for every desire you have. You can want something and not have it. Did you realize that? You can want something and not have it. That's okay. That's turbulence. You'll make it through. Eventually, the desire will go away. Eventually, you'll be fine. And step four is just repeat. You got to keep on writing that flight plan, sticking to the flight plan, and allowing turbulence. Repeat. That's how you end up at the destination that you desire. No matter what happens, remember to listen to that calm voice saying, this is your captain speaking. I don't know about you, but I've always made the best decisions of my life from calm rather than from panic, like I described in the first part of this session. Decisions made from panic never lead me to places that I want to go. But decisions made from calm usually have a significant component, faith. Did you know that's what makes us different from animals? Animals only really have powerful limbic systems. They want to survive. They do what is necessary today. And even squirrels or ants or other um, animals that prepare for the future are doing that instinctually. They're not really imagining or thinking through what will happen in the future. That's something that only human beings can do. And thinking about the future is what faith is all about. In Genesis 1.28, God gives what's known as the creation mandate. He tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. And he says, take dominion over every living thing on the earth. I think he's talking not only about animals, but about ourselves. We need to take dominion over ourselves. He's given us that authority. We can tell our souls, we can tell our bodies what to think, what to do, and what to feel. That's the captain speaking. It's our spirit. The spirit communicates with God, gets the marching orders, and then carries it out on the earth. It's not arrogant to think that you are the captain of your soul. A quote from an old poem that was written in the 1800s. You are the captain of your soul. God said so. He said, go, subdue the earth and, and rule over every living thing on the earth, including yourself. You can make good decisions for your finances, not because you're following what some financial guru says to do, but simply because God's given you a captain a prefrontal cortex, a good part of your brain that incorporates planning and faith when making a decision from a place of calm. You have a good shepherd. And because you do, you lack nothing. So don't believe the kid when he says, you need this, you deserve this, you good shepherd. The captain of captains knows what you need. 
even before you ask him. Hey there, did you know that your vocation is what you're paid to do, but your calling is what you're made to do? If you're ready to step into your calling, let's go. God is advancing the kingdom through Christian books. He has given everyone a spiritual gift, and it may be that one way you can exercise your spiritual gift of prophecy, teaching, exhortation, service, giving, organization, or mercy is by writing a book that will bless other believers and go places that you cannot go yourself. If you don't know how to write a book, put yourself under the mentoring of an experienced Christian author who will pray for and guide you. That's me. Join the Keep Writing course, an all-in-one online experience that I've created to take you through the process of finishing, publishing, and marketing your amazing book. Inside, I offer step-by-step lessons and weekly biblical coaching live. Together, we'll solve any problem you face in the name of Jesus. There's simply nothing else like this anywhere. So if you're ready to join us, go to nikamaples.com and click on the Keep Writing course. Get started today.